God is just as faithful to one as the other. God would not be a faithful God if He were faithful only to the good things in His Word. So these vessels are taken. Now we see a parallel here. There's a parallel between the vessels that were taken from the temple. And notice that they, as being temple vessels, they would have been perfect. So the perfect temple vessels are taken from the temple of God and put into the temple of Marduk. We see a perfect parallel there with the young men who are also themselves without blemish, we're told. The cream of the crop, the smartest the best of the best of royal blood, they are the equivalent of the temple vessels who are taken from the temple of God to be put into the temple of Marduk. So also are the best of Israel taken from the land of Israel to be put into the temple of Marduk as well. So many parallels in Daniel that are in store for us. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we're still in chapter 1. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded Aspenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom. So here we see how these vessels were taken. Of course, this, we see this as the judgment of God. God is judging His people. We won't take the time. We could look at Leviticus 26. Leviticus 26, the entire chapter there, God is outlining, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, then here's what I'm going to do. And this is fulfillment of that. Deuteronomy chapter 28, same sort of thing. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all your things, therefore the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the land, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand. They shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down through all your land, etc., etc. So this is the prophecy. The fulfillment is here in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. This fulfillment of the judgment of God upon His people. But we need to make note here of just the perfection of God's judgment, of the, of the appropriateness of God's judgment. So, in order to see that, we need to go back in time just a little bit, back to the reign of a fellow by the name of Hezekiah. We all know Hezekiah. Hezekiah was also a good king of Judah, just from a generation before. So, we know Hezekiah's story. And we know how Hezekiah was sick and he was going to die and he prayed and God gave him 15 more years. And then there's that whole thing with the Babylonians coming and Hezekiah showed them the treasures of the temple. And Isaiah got really mad about that. Remember that whole story? You know what I always thought that story was about? The naive foolishness of Hezekiah. All these treasures should have been secret. You shouldn't have advertised this, Hezekiah. You shouldn't have advertised the fact that we have all this gold and silver in Israel. Right? Kind of like keeping your money under your blanket. You don't want people to know how much you got there, right? But there's a whole lot more going on there. Let's take a look in Isaiah chapter 39. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. 
And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, and he showed them his treasure. He showed them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oils, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouse. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. So Hezekiah is being much more than just foolish here. In fact, we can make an argument that Hezekiah is not being naive. He's being spiritually foolish. Here's why. Do you remember what happened just prior to this? Just prior to this, another nation came up against Judah in battle. Do you remember who that was? Assyria. Assyria, a generation ago, had defeated the northern kingdom of Israel, who was more wicked than the southern kingdom of Judah. So Israel had been utterly defeated by Assyria a generation ago. But now Assyria comes up against Judah. And if you remember the story from 2 Kings 20, who defeats Assyria? God. He slays 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in the night. And then the next morning, everybody wakes up and there's all the, these dead Assyrians, but then the army's gone. God defeated them in the night. That was just prior to this. But you remember back when we were talking about the world scene do you remember what we talked about, what was going on in the world? This is, that's, this is one reason that was important to see that. What's going on in the world right now is there's another kingdom that is on the rise. But in Hezekiah's day, that was much further down the line. Babylon was on the scene. But you notice the king of Babylon there was this man, Merodach Baladan. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't here yet. So a far more dominant power than Babylon at that time was Assyria, who had just come up against God's people, but God had supernaturally defeated them. So here's what Hezekiah is doing. Hezekiah isn't bragging about all of their treasures just for the sake of bragging. Hezekiah is inviting Babylon to ally with Judah against Assyria. That's what Hezekiah is doing. That's why Isaiah was so mad. That's why God judged them. It wasn't just because Hezekiah was foolish and showed the Babylonians the treasure. It was because Hezekiah was saying, look, Babylon, there's this Assyria. They're mean people. They don't like us. They've already tried to come against us one time. They might try again. Why don't the two of us form an alliance? And let me show you. We are a real power. Let me show you our treasury. Let me show you our resources. And did you notice his whole armory? Hezekiah was recruiting, if you will, Babylon to join together in a political alliance against Assyria right after God had supernaturally delivered them from Assyria. That was a total Loss of faith on the part of Hezekiah. And so because Hezekiah seeks to enter into this political alliance with Assyria, with Babylon, God says, all right, here's your judgment. You try to enter into a political alliance with Babylon, guess what? Babylon's going to be the one that takes you away in chains. And you tried to use your silver and gold, your treasury to impress Babylon, guess what? They're going to take it. And they're going to take your people. 
And they're going to take everything. You see how appropriate God's judgment was? God's judgment was based upon the sin. The sin was Hezekiah used the treasures of Israel to try to enter into a sinful, non-faithful alliance with, of all people, Babylon. And God says, all right, here's your judgment. Notice the fittingness of the judgment. But notice also God's faithfulness. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim into the hands of Babylon. God is faithful, is He not? But virtually every time we proclaim God's faithfulness, we mean His faithfulness to His good promises, don't we? But God is just as faithful to His promises of curses when we sin. He's just as faithful to His Word when His Word says, If you sin in this way, here's what you can expect. If you sin in that way, if you fail to repent, if you fail to turn, here's what you can expect. God is just as faithful to one as the other. God would not be a faithful God if He were faithful only to the good things in His Word. But God is faithful to His Word. He's trustable even when His Word promises great unpleasantness as consequence of sin. So he's faithful to his word, but he's also faithful, as Ezra is going to say a little later, to bring the treasures back to Israel. Because he is sovereign. You may not have noticed, but take a look now at the word here in verse 2. And the Lord, notice that word Lord is not all capitals, as we often see in the Old Testament. All capitals means that's the covenant name of God, Yahweh. Daniel never uses that word. He doesn't use the covenant name of God. Instead, he uses the word Adonai, which is most closely translated something like master, sovereign, commander, owner of all. But Daniel also does something else. Every time he uses that word Adonai, he uses the definite article before it. The Lord. It's translated that way here in this instance, but it's right to translate it that way every time because Daniel always uses the definite article The Lord, because there's one. There is one ruler over all things, and that ruler, he will be faithful not only to his promises of judgment, but he will be faithful to his promises to preserve his people. He will preserve his people through the incredible experiences of the lamentations. He will preserve his people through the experiences of Daniel and his friends, but he will preserve his people through these four kingdoms. He will preserve his people until the Son of Man, the one whom we get a glimpse of in the furnace, who was as the Son of the gods, until he comes again to secure his people once and for all. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making Word.